Good morning, RCC family. Good morning. If you guys want to start to make your way to the, your seats, it's time for church. All right, welcome to everyone who's online. We are so happy that you're tuning in with us this morning. If it's your first time, we would love to give you a proper welcome. So throw your name in the comment section below and we'll give you some love. So as you know, January has been the month that we've decided just to sit in the posture of gratitude. No better way to start the year by thanking God of what he's already done. So at the end of service, we've been doing testimonies. And if that word sounds a little scary for you, think of it as what have you seen God do for you this week? I know you guys all have stories of ways that God has been good and faithful, and so we are inviting you guys to share those things. I know for me personally, it's been so encouraging to hear your stories about healing and reconciliation and joy and new jobs. And so if you want to encourage others, you are invited at the end of service to either come up here and give your story or to type it in. So if you're watching online, feel free to jump into the comments and at the end of service, I'll read them. You guys probably have it the easiest because you don't have to come up here and I'll do the awkward part for you. All right, so for our announcements this morning, we only have one. We are doing a blood drive at the table. It's going to be January the 25th from 9 to 2 p.m. This is a great way to get involved with our community and give back. It's super easy and simple. So if you have time in your schedule, we invite you to come and do that with us. All right, so for our lectionary passage this morning, one of my favorites, it is Psalm 139. And we're going to read from 1 to 6. And it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down or are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot contain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. And your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to an end, and I am still with you. And so, God, we just sit under the heavy intimacy of this psalm. God, that you are a God that more than loves us and delights in us, that you truly see us and know us. And so, God, we just thank you first that you are a God that is so loving and so attentive. And so, God, I pray a special blessing over everyone this morning that they may begin to know the God that you really are. Lord, I pray that you reveal your heart of kindness towards them, that they feel seen and known and heard by you, that they are reminded that they are wonderfully and fearfully made, and that they are your children. God, we thank you for all of the things that you've done for us this week and all of the things that you are going to do. The psalmist says that you already have our days formed out. So God, we just sit in prophetic praise of what you are going to do because we know that you are good and so the story ends good. Lord, we love you this morning. It is our honor and our privilege to exalt you. And in your holy name we pray, amen. going to do prayers of the people just a smidge differently. Um, so if you don't know kind of our approach to prayers of the people um, when we're praying and, and as I'm um, reading, the first thing that we typically pray for and we will say is for the universal church, its members, and its mission. And um, as I was reading um, various different sites, um, specifically geared towards kind of informing believers what's going on globally in the church. 
there is this one article that stood out to me because it was um, literally a cry from believers and pastors in China asking believers around the world to be praying for them. Because the persecution in China is very real for believers. And so it felt what would be honoring and loving would to be to hear the cry put out from the pastors in China and to take a moment and to, in your seats, in your hearts, in your homes, to pray, to join in with them as they have government officials and police raiding their homes, taking things from their homes, regardless if it has to do with faith, storming down their churches, they are very familiar with what persecution feels like. It's the only thing that they've ever known. And of the 60 million believers in China, over half of them cannot do so publicly. And the other half are getting consequences for being public. And so I'm going to pray a verse, and then just for a moment, wherever you are, I would ask you to pray specifically for the believers in China who endure daily more than I have endured in a lifetime for my faith. In Romans 5, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. In verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And so, as I was praying and I was drawn to this scripture, my prayer for this church and the church in China is that their suffering would lead to a perseverance and it would lead to them believing in a hope that they know does not disappoint them. It will not make them look foolish. They will not be put to shame for claiming to the love of Jesus over and over and over again. And so with heavy hearts, may we together take a moment and pray that they would know intimately the hope that they have in Jesus. And that we would pray protection over them. That we would pray for the government to have a change of heart. That they too would become to know Jesus. And so for just a moment, sit in the silence of heaviness of that and pray. God, I thank you that we are one. Because of your spirit, we are one. And so I pray supernaturally, miraculously, that as, we're, as they are in China and we are in Smyrna, Georgia, God, I pray that your spirit and your presence and your love and your nearness would increase as you hear the cries of our heart. May you hold them and protect them. And may they know that your hope, the hope that they have in you will not disappoint. It will not put them to shame. Would perseverance be built up in them? Would salvation spread like wildfire? May the hearts of the hardest of hearts and the darkest of hearts, may even they come to know you. And may we, as believers, as fellow brothers and sisters of Christ, may we intercede on behalf of the church in China and churches and Christians all over the world that only know faith with persecution. May we choose to step into that middle space of carrying the burden along with them because it tells us in 1 Corinthians that love bears all. And so we, in love, will bear all with them. And I thank you that we can sing songs declaring of your goodness.
and that it's real and true, and that there is no darkness to you, that where your love is, there is light. So may your light spread and bring forth a hope like China has never seen. God, I thank you that you are faithful and near to when we call upon your name. I thank you for all of us sitting in the states who have experienced and are experiencing turmoil and tension and confusion and disgust and fear and insecurity and uncertainty and loss in our own way. I thank you when we call upon your name that you are faithful to hear and to respond. And so we gather this morning in this place where it matters to be together, where the joining of the saints and the lifting of the voices matters. May that reality not be lost on us this morning. And so we pray for the world and all those in it, those who know you and who do not know you, who've experienced devastation and loss so, so massive. We pray for over the 50 killed in Sudan. And I hate, I hate, I hate how common that is to read. I hate how much corruption seems to be be normalized. I hate that. And I and I'm thankful that I know that you hate that. For the earthquake in Indonesia, as they're trying to continue to find survivors and are also finding more deaths for Brazil who is just struggling immensely with COVID their system not able to support and give care. It's all too much for us, and so we just lift it up to you at the foot of the cross and say, God, would you come, would your mercy and your grace rain down? Develop in our suffering a perseverance which leads to character, which leads to a hope that does not disappoint. Give us the ability and the strength to to persevere that we may be able to experience that hope. We cannot do it without you. And we pray for this community at River City and those who are suffering in it. We pray for Ryan's stepmom as she continues to try and find treatment for her cancer. We pray for Lori Crean and Justin Cook, specifically as they recover from COVID. God, would you give them perseverance when they're alone? Would you give us perseverance when we are struggling and suffering alone? Would you be near to us? Would we know that you are a safe place, the safest place for us to to place our very burdened, heavy heart today? We pray for Erin Boggs as she continues to try and figure out what is the source of her pain. Would you just give the doctors supernatural wisdom? We just read this morning that you know our bodies intricately. Would you give them the knowledge that you have of Aaron's body and the source of her pain. We pray for this upcoming week in our country. May we not look away. May we not push back. But may we press in, knowing that you are sitting on the throne knowing that you care, knowing that the government, it says in Isaiah, you prophesy that the government would be on your shoulders. So would you allow peace to remain at every capital building and every city across the nation? May we be your people that usher in peace. I thank you for this morning, and I thank you that in our lament and in our heavy and in our hard, you are near and you are good, and we can still proclaim your name as being higher than every other name.
It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I have the distinct privilege of introducing to you someone you already know. But Shannon, who is over the table space, for people who don't know, we have a space called The Table downstairs, which is an event rental space and also a space for us to kind of actively live out what we feel God is leading us into in Smyrna. Shannon's a director of this, and today she's going to come up for a little bit and share about the heart of this, the mission, and what we're doing there. So if you guys will give it up for Shannon. Thank you. Good morning. Okay, so before we get started, if you guys could just indulge me for just a second. Um, Usually, I'm on the other side of the screen, and that's a really comfortable, happy place to be. Um, But since I am usually on the other side of the screen, I want to take time and do something a little bit different. So if you guys could stand up for just a second and face this way and just give a wave to everybody at home so that they can see your eyes at least. They might not be able to see your smiling faces, but I know how special it is to be able to see people you haven't seen in a really long time. Um, So thank you for that, I appreciate it. I am here to share about something incredibly special to my heart and that's the table. Um, Normally, I'm a behind the scenes kind of girl. I like to be in the details, I like to do the little special things, but I like to do them without anybody knowing. So this is not natural to me. Um, When Josh approached me about this, I'll be honest, my flesh had a real live, humongous panic attack. But, The really cool thing about the Holy Spirit is, as my uncle would say, guys, he comes in cool as a cucumber. And he just tells us, you know what? Just chill. I got you. So that's what I'm going to walk in. I am going to take heed to the song that we heard this morning um, and trust that he's going to make me brave and all fear is hindered and we are going to have a lovely few moments together. All right, so before we get started, let's go before the Lord. Um, Lord Jesus, you welcomed all who came into your presence. May I reflect that same spirit through the ministry of hospitality. May your light shine in my heart this day. Remove from me anything that would stand in the way from radiating your presence. I thank you for this opportunity to serve, and I ask your blessings upon all who are within earshot of what we are sharing today. Ask this in all things in your precious son's name, who is the giver of all gifts, and all his people said amen. Okay, so let's start with scripture. All right, so let's take a look at Romans 12, verses 3 through 6. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For as just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. All right, so let's really hone in on verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think of gifts, I think of someone who's athletically inclined. I think of someone who is musically blessed and inclined. None of those things describe me. But the really cool thing in my walk with the Lord, I've realized that he gives us gifts in ways that we least expect. And although I'm not any of the 
typical things when you think of gifts and talents. A heart to serve very much comes from the Lord. And that is as much a gift as anything else. So one of the things that I'd like us to continue to look at in Romans, if we could go to the next slide. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And when it comes to being hospitable or showing one hospitality, it has a very basic connotation, if you will. So if we break down what is hospitality, you can go to the next one. It is cordial and generous reception of or disposition toward guests. So a lot of times you hear hospitality, you might think of a hotel. You might think of having people over for dinner. But the really cool thing about biblical hospitality is that it adds a second layer to that that is of the utmost importance, and that is to honor and obey God by serving those around us with joy. And I can't think of anything better than that. And at the table, we have a gift, right? And it's our job to be good stewards of the gifts that we've been given. And at the table, there's four ways that we do that. We do that in a practical way. We do it creatively. We do it with compassion. And we do it in spiritual ways. And I really find that it's super helpful when we talk about missions, goals, objectives, visions, to make it something that you can remember and something that's going to stick. So at the table, we do that in four ways. We make room. We make do, we make time, and we make space. And we'll go through each way and what that means and how we exemplify that in the things that we do at the table. Um, my prayer for the table is that, obviously, that it would grow. But ultimately, my prayer lies in that the table would be a place that is relational and not transactional. So yes, it's a community space. Yes, from a very basic standpoint, we rent our space so that people can enjoy various events of their lives. True. Um, but ultimately, I would like for it to be a place where we begin to develop a further relationship with our community. And from a practical standpoint, that means we are cultivating and living out hospitality in a very, very diverse world. And we do that by, like I said, opening our space up for rental. We've had baby showers. We've had business launches. Um, we've had rehearsal dinners. And the revenue that we make from those opportunities allow us to go back and invest in our community. And in terms of making do, we do that creatively, which is one of my favorites. Um, we get to encourage connection in our community through lots of creative outlets. So to give you an example of that, um, we had a paint night for people to come and do a painting that was holiday um, related. And there was no fee tied to it. It was just an opportunity to come and connect and enjoy. Um, we've also done um, a workshop where we made ornaments. And that one was really neat, specifically because those ornaments then were used to bless someone else. 
and they were given to a residential facility to give a little Christmas joy um, to them. So that was really neat. In terms of compassion at the table, ultimately we make time. And we understand that the most precious gift is presence. In your most exciting, in your happiest, in your saddest, um, in your most difficult time, ultimately our hearts yearn for presence. We want somebody to be with us, we want somebody to be for us. And we've had the opportunity to do exactly that. We've had um, people in our very own community who have had very difficult seasons in their lives, like many of us. And we've been able to do two memorial services to just bless those families. Because of the revenue that we've made from our practical standpoint, we didn't have to have them worry about being charged. Let us love you well. Come and honor your loved one and don't worry about anything else. That's a gift in itself. And then finally, we also, from a very important standpoint, we get to partner with the Red Cross. We've got a blood drive. We spoke about that earlier. It's on January 25th, and it's an opportunity to be there for those in our community, for those in surrounding communities, um, by giving blood, by giving plasma, um, just a very practical way for us to help somebody else. And from a spiritual standpoint, it is our desire to always make space. And that just means creating space for spiritual growth through some of the events that we have. And through the Lord, we were able to host Maverick City recently. And they had a vintage pop-up shop. Our space was one of six locations where they did this. Now, it wasn't about the clothes. It wasn't about the thing. The most beautiful thing about this event was the fact that there were people from all walks of life outside in the same space worshiping the Lord. And it wasn't rehearsed. It wasn't planned. It was a spontaneous, beautiful display of walking with him, which is really, really cool. When it comes to biblical hospitality, there's no right or wrong answer. As long as it comes from your heart and it comes from a desire to serve the Lord, you're doing it perfectly already. And my hope is that the table will continue to foster the very heart of biblical hospitality that we have so much of in, in our body that it just spreads throughout our community and people wonder, what are they doing over there? And they want more of what we have. And that is a relationship with the Lord. And if we could just take one moment and look at Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Straightforward, <laughs> no questions. It's so simple, but so incredibly necessary and important in the season that we are in now. It is such a gift to be able to be hospitable with our neighbors. We get to do that through the table we get to do that through loving one another well in our body. We get to do that by just caring for someone else. Um, and I really find such an incredible joy in doing those things that I want it for everybody. I want everybody to be able to experience that inexplicable joy that comes from 
loving someone else well. That doesn't have to be in a grandiose way. It can be the smallest of things, but be so incredibly meaningful. So if what I've said has resonated with you in any way, and you are even just a little bit intrigued about what we do at the table, it is my desire to form a small team of people who want to do just that, to love our neighbors well, to be one with our community. And as our earlier verse stated, we all have different gifts. And loving others is not one person's job. Everybody has a role, everyone has a place. And so if this sounds like something that you'd like to do and you'd like to join me in serving and bringing joy to our community, I'd love it if you just shoot me an email and I will get back with you on a time where we can establish a meeting so that we can sort of just start brainstorming how can we better love the people around us? Especially how do we do that through the blessing that we have been given in the table? So, I do appreciate you guys indulging me. I'd like for you to do one more thing for me, though. So, if you will reach behind your chairs, some of you will see that there's an envelope. So, reach behind your chairs. Um, there might, might be an envelope in that space. And the envelope that you find might <laughs> look like this one here. And if for some reason in your space you don't have an envelope yet, I am happy, just come see me and I'll give one to you. So we have a purpose for that. So the purpose of the envelope is to be a starting point, a jumping off point, if you will. So what I'd like for you guys to do is I'd like for you to pray how you can bless someone else with the card that you received. Now, to encourage one another, I would really love it if you would share your experience on the prayer wall so that we can just keep this thing going. And before I hand it over to Josh, I would love it if you guys would join me in prayer. And this is a prayer that is just really special to me, and we can all read it together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. I'll give it up for Shannon. It would have been such a power move if she would have been like, there's an envelope in your seat and you're to fill it with your biggest bill in your wallet. <laughs> I've been in too many services like that. Um, thank you so much, Shannon. Uh, thank you for the double mics. We want to make sure, we're going to have testimonies at the end again for people who want to do that. You'll hear in a little bit. I'm just going to share for a, a few quick moments today. Um, I, I wanted to share a little bit about our, our staff last week. We actually, we were given some questions by one of our staff that I thought were really great. And the questions, you can pull those up, Bill, if you don't mind, were these, um, what are the needs of our body right now, right? Like we did our best to kind of travel through that. What are the specific anointings over RCC? For some of you, that doesn't even make sense, that language I know. But what, what has God led us into that we are called to do in this city, to do well? What are the specific supernatural graces that RCC has to accomplish this calling? Um, and are we following the favor of God already given to us in Smyrna? And specifically that third one, 
all of us labeled that the table is a definite gift from God. It's, it's definitely something unique about what God has given us to do to serve our city. And it's already kind of built so much traction and reputation. And a lot of that's because of what Shannon's been doing that it's just, we're just kind of anticipating what he's going to do next in it. And so I really feel like for Shannon, really pray about jumping into this team because it's, it's going to be meaningful and significant. But first, I wanted to start today, um, I have a, a quick, this is kind of a different Sunday, of course. Uh, you've already kind of felt that and sensed that, but we are in the process of inviting our body into praying about high school and middle school ministry and exactly what the Lord has for the next season. And so we want the right thing and the best thing. And as you know, Kara, who was up here earlier, is transitioned over community and connections and developing out groups, which you'll hear about in a couple weeks. But we're asking God's right plan for that group because God loves those kids and teens as much as he loves any of us. And he has a plan for them. We want to step into that plan. We don't want to create it, make it something it's not. We're not trying to create Disney World downstairs. We want God's plan for that group. And so partner with us in prayer. We're going to post that on the, on the wall, post it on the prayer wall. Somebody go and post it on the prayer wall, staff or whatever. Um, and then lastly, if you're watching from home, thanks for doing it last week, but maybe post on the prayer wall that you are watching so we know that it's you or email Kara at Kara at RiverCitySmyrna.com. We want to get a correct database of who is with us, who's walking with us, so that we can shepherd this community well. It helps a lot if we know. Um, and a lot of people are still a part of our body, but we just don't know it. And it's been a while since we've seen them, and just like a lot of you. Um, and so it, it's really helpful if you do that. So moving forward today, really quickly, um, this cultural moment we're in right now, and this is important for you to hear, is a pretty significant cultural moment that we're walking in. One of the phrases that has stuck with me from our culture, especially Christian culture, is this idea of we're gonna hold the line. This idea that we're hearing from some Christian communities that we're not gonna let America get where it's gonna go. And I just want to impress upon you the message from last week, which was Jesus going to see John the Baptist and standing in line. Yeah. See, there's a difference in holding the line or holding tightly to what we have and standing in line to repent. If you want to know the desire of God for our generation, for our Christian communities, it's people to embody what it means to say, we were wrong, we are sorry, we need you, Jesus. If we're asking for the glory of the Lord to fall, the glory of the Lord is not going to compete with us, even the best of us. There's not a competition for that seat. When the glory comes, we go low. When the glory comes, we go low. We are not in his seat. So our core desire as we've started this year is a people that would fall in love with the idea of repentance, that they would see. And you had this picture of people going to this line outside of Jerusalem and desiring to stand in this line because they had this idea that repentance would be a good thing. This would be a good posture for me to say, I'm in complete need and, and I repent. And so I, I would impose upon this idea of holding the line, this idea of standing in line. Right? Instead of demanding what's ours, saying, we have open hands and we trust you, Jesus. We're going to continue to embody what it means to be the people of God. Right? To not, so this is my biggest fear in this cultural moment. That the images from last week and the Christian words and Jesus' pictures on things and crosses accomplishing things would be what people see that are not followers of Christ. Which does not help the body of Christ. People need to see what it looks like to say, we don't know and we need you, Jesus. So that's where we start. And if we're unwilling to start there, it will not come to pass, right? If, we're, if we say things like, I have no need to repent, we will not see the fruit of God in our lives. There's no way. It's just impossible. And to me, that's not a horrifying, scary thing. It's a beautiful place because I know, I trust who God is, right? I trust. And so when I read the passages for this week, I was enlivened by all of them. I would preach on all of them, and I was going to choose one differently than I chose today. The first one was Eli in the Old Testament, where in First Samuel, and, and basically Eli's hearing the voice of God, but he doesn't know it. He continues to hear the voice of God, but he doesn't know it. So he has Samuel hear the voice of God who hasn't been trained yet come to him. He's like, hey, what am I hearing? And what you see is God speaking clearly and someone who's lived it their whole lives not recognizing the voice of God because they've settled into a space where God is not speaking right now. And someone who has not lived it stepping in and hearing and being like, this has got to be God. 
And this younger generation comes along, and Eli, or Samuel comes along, and he has to speak these words. This is all coming down. God's coming back. He's restoring, right? I wanted to speak on that because I, I crave to see my leadership and the people I respect right now in my life to stand in that spot of repentance and say, what could God be speaking that we might not think he's speaking right now? And what ways could he be speaking that we've already decided he hasn't because we're telling him this is what you're doing? I would love to see a generation, especially of Christian leaders, who can step into that space and say, God, we need you and we're broke. And apologize to us. We've done it wrong. Like, I have to apologize to my kids. I've done it wrong, right? Like, I need as much God as all of you, for sure. And they know that. You can just ask Galatia. <laughs> for sure. She'll be like, yeah, he's not lying. I also wanted to preach on the passage from Corinthians where it talks about how you're not going to love this. Fornication defiles the inside of us, right? Like we all read it in staff and there's four passages and everybody, nobody picked this as their favorite. I thought it was just interesting because fornication is right. Just that word alone, you're all like, don't want to talk about this. But it talks about the Holy Spirit being the temple that embodies our insides and how fornication, it makes us in a space where we're not the inside of us, right? It's a reminder, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I, I get out of this, like this idea of being able to see yourself, to see that God is moving on the inside. And there, whether it's fornication or not, the depth within us, right? That God is doing that work. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're positively happy that I'm not gonna speak on that today. So, But I did land on two passages. I'm just gonna really quickly share, you, share with you. And that's Psalm 139, which we've already read, and John 1. And so, why are you laughing right now? Uh, my daughter just looked up the, the word fornication. It's awesome. Could be a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Can you write up? Okay, so you're glad I'm not? Are you sure? Do you want to talk about this after service? Okay. Okay. Psalm 139. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second. So can you pull that out, Bill? I'm going to read it to you. There's no fornication in this one, guys. It says this, so stay with me. I'm going to crank through it. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, oh, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before me, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it, for it was you who formed me in my inward parts, you who knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful in all your works, that I, wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And then moving along to 16, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days of my, f in your book, all the days that were formed for me when none of them yet existed. Yoda, this text is. <laughs> how weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. So really quickly, there's an awareness here of the psalm writer of how intricately known the Father knows him. Of how vastly in depth that a person is known. It's talking about the ways in which we can't know or even name God but he can know and name us. That that's a part of us, whether we're walking in it or not. He knows us this way. He knows us intricately this way. It's a little scary the way these words are talking about. Search me and know me. We don't say that to our friends. Come and search me today. No, like get away from me. That's, this, this would be creepy and eerie if we didn't, have a psalmist who understood the character of God, to speak of his father in a way that, yes, search every part of me, right? This is a psalm and a hymn of praise. This is reminding us that the body of Christ has the ability to be a body that praises God no matter what season they're in, a body that knows that we're known so intricately, so in-depth, that we have to pause for a moment and go, this is too wonderful 
for me to even understand how to think about. You know me in ways that no one knows me. My, my spouse doesn't know me this way. My daughter doesn't know me this way. No one in your life knows the way that God knows you. The good things, the bad things. The, the ways that you cry when no one's looking. The ways that you celebrate things you shouldn't. The ways that you stand in the space of sin when it feels better, like you'd rather hide. The ways in which you celebrate when someone else gets hurt because you don't like them and then make it look like you don't. The ways in which your heart is yearning to come out. The ways in which you want to be seen deeply by someone, but no human can, can do that. The right way. The ways in which you were formed by God is the ways that he's singing of this and speaking of this. And it's too wonderful. And this is not a sermon on the value of human life and a political grab at what that means. I will say I am... <laughs> Everybody saw their stuff and went... Hur, hur. <laughs> It is, each life is important to God. Whether it's an unformed child or someone standing at our borders. Whether it's someone sitting in our house with us or an enemy in another country. Each life for God is that valuable that this psalmist just spoke about. Is that valuable. It's worth fighting for. Whether they're waiting to be executed or unborn. All of them are that important and when we decide that they're not, we are not acting as if God is our Father any longer. That's about all I'm going to say about that. But this is talking about identity, right? Like the question of identity in our time, where do we get it from? How do we get it? It's telling us that it's not from what we think about ourselves, and that's, not, that's too limited. What you think of yourself is actually too limited, even if you have the best concept of who you are. Because his thoughts about you are too wonderful. The way you're known is yet to be seen by you. The things in your heart that will be developed and fostered and cultivated by him aren't even known to you at this point, right? It's too wonderful. It only can put you in a space where you say, this is, this is too much. I must submit to who you say that I am. And your depth and knowledge of who you are is built directly on who he is. This is where our identity comes from, from God. Our identity, our truest identity, is not something secondary. It comes from God. So there's a tension here between the knowledge of how God knows us and how we know him. There's an opportunity for humility here in knowing that no one can know God the way that he knows us. So it starts in a seat of humility, how in the world can you grasp what he desires? It's too wonderful. I love the idea, and I love this the second text I'm going to speak of, of, of this idea of Jesus becoming word made flesh, right? Like Logos, word made flesh. He enters the scene. He incarnates. He is birthed in person, not, just, not because it's helping him in any way, but, but he, so that he can walk with us. And in John 1, it's our second text. I want to read you this really quickly. And then we'll kind of bring a bow to this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to Nathanael, hey, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael says, can, any, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, no, come and see, come and see. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite, pause. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, ha, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I've said to you, I saw under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of God. There's a few ways Jesus could have approached Nathanael. Psalm 139 talks about how intricately we are known and how important that is as we step into becoming a follower of Jesus. Whatever 
history we come from because we've all been formed in some ways. You don't show up to this space and you're just kind of wide open and never formed. You are all formed in some ways. Nathaniel is seen by Jesus and he chooses to speak into a place that he doesn't even know fully yet. He could have said to him, why do you not believe? He could have said to him, I'm Jesus, bro. He could have said to him a multitude of things, things that we say to others when we see for face value what we think is the most important thing. We assume people can't receive what Jesus has for him, but Jesus knows intricately each human in our lives and each human in this room, and he knows how to speak into the things that he will cultivate and foster. It would have been true to, to say to him, bro, you're, you're like a little bit cynical. I don't know if you see your friend here who believed instantly, but a little bit of that would probably go a long way for you, right? Or bro, why you're standing with this political party? Do you not know what your political party stands for? Or bro or sis, sorry, sisses in the room. We see face value so clearly Jesus sees deeper and his invitation to him speaks to a core part that needed to be enlivened and would make him desire to say, you are the rabbi, right? Because remember, Nathaniel has an, a, probably an intricate history and knowledge of the Old Testament, the Psalms. So he's probably thinking of this Psalm, thinking this is talking about a God who knows us so deeply, so intricately that it's too wonderful for us. And then Jesus is standing in front of him saying, I saw you under the fig tree. Exactly what he would need to hear to truly believe this is the son of God. The invitations, because we are known and each of you are known this way. So whether you're at a stale spot in your Christianity, whether you're ready to go into full-blown deconstruction, whether you're like, hallelujah, Jesus, I wanna go pray in the streets and see demons cast out of buildings. Doesn't, I don't know if that makes sense. And just that kind of, just like, yes, let's go raise the dead wherever you're at. There's this opportunity to receive an invitation from a savior who knows wherever you're at. And he plans his interactions with you accordingly. Come and see. First dude's like, let's go. I'm doing it. Come and see. Second dude's like, what? They came from Nazareth? They came from Smyrna? No. Like we put Atlanta on our address. Like the Braves did. Braves. We're known deeply. This is so personal. It's so personal. It's so personal to us. So I want to ask you today, and we're going to have a video play for a second. I want to ask you today to be attentive to the invitation you have today. Just today. Just today. And I also want to invite you to realize that person you dislike or hate or that will go full-blown crazy mode on Facebook this week because it's coming in multitudes. That person is intricately known by Jesus in a way that if they could hear his voice speak into that core place would come alive in him. And that's anyone. Because Jesus does not see a limitation on who can receive. He's always able to restore. And we, we need a body of people who while we're praying for China has a hope about us that says to people, we believe God is good, that God is coming, but he's already here, and he's bringing life to dead places, and he's restoring broken things, and he's making things right, and we don't get to believe that he can't do that. We're the people who say he can do that. I don't know how, but he can do that. Well, he rose a dude from the dead. Like, he, he does things that we can't even imagine, things that are so ended, there's no hope. God can do that in things. He's the one. So I want to read you this quote and then play the video. I have too many endings. I repent of my endings. It is possible for us to see our present moment as Jesus sees it. Instead of deciding that we know everything there is to know about the political others in our lives, can we ask God for fresh vision? Instead of assuming that nothing good can come of the cultural mess we find ourselves in, can we accept Philip's invitation to come and see? What would happen if we left our comfortable vantage points and dared to believe that just maybe 
we have been limited and hasty in our original certainties about each other, about God, about our world. To come and see is to approach all of life with a grace-filled curiosity. To believe that we are holy mysteries to each other, worthy of further exploration, worthy of further explanation, worthy of questions about who are you, worthy of further exploration. To come and see is to enter into the joy of being deeply seen and deeply known and to have the very best that lies hidden within us called out and called forth. And this is Debbie's words, whom I quote a lot. I write these words in hope, in fragile hope, but hope nonetheless, not because we're capable of a clear vision on our own, but because we are held by the eternal promise of what Jesus said. You will see greater things than these. I'm, I don't know if I'm prophesying or praying or being the loud guy with the mic. You will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. And they will permeate past your bank account and your house and your needs. They will permeate your families. You will see greater things than these. And I know that's true because Jesus is true. We will. We will see an open heaven. We will see heaven open. We will see angels. We will see the love and justice of God. So don't be afraid. Don't hide. Don't despair. Live boldly into the calling of epiphany. Have an aha moment, if you will. See, name, speak, bless. God is near and God is speaking. Many good things can come out of Nazareth, including Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a jig from someone? Amen. All right, so Mariah, do you want to come up? Actually, I'm going to give you these questions back. Can you just put these up so that we can post them online? For our body, I would, love, um, I would love you to kind of interact with these questions this week. If anybody wants to take a quick snapshot of this that's in the room with your um, phones, I, would, I wouldn't hate it. And we would love for you to kind of speak into that this week. We'll post it online. Without further ado, we have a video testimony and then a possibility for some for people who haven't given one yet. So welcome, Mariah. You can clap for her. She comes. First one that we're going to have today is all the way from Scotland to the... Right. So if someone's in a testimony from Scotland, you guys who are in the room, you can do it. I believe in you. It's a very shorter flight. Um, But I'm going to read a couple of these from our online body. So this morning, we're sitting in gratitude for a few reasons. From Caroline Gavi, we are thankful for our church staff. From Alita, we are thankful for our RCC family for prayers and support through our time in COVID. Justin has improved significantly. His oxygen levels are back up and we pray that his fever is finally gone. Amen. And then from Malou, same thing. We're thankful that our strength is back or her strength is back, that her body aches are gone post-COVID vaccine. So thank you God for Malou. And then for Andromika, grateful for her relationship with her parents. She not only loves them, she genuinely likes them. Amazing, amen. And was reminded of her deep connection with them several times this week and is very grateful. So thank you, God, for families and reconciliation and goodness in that way. And then for Caitlin, thankful for her children and the joy they bring, their health, their vitality. Thankful for Cosby, thankful for her extended family that has recovered from COVID and all other members that stayed well around them. And then from Aaron Boggs this morning, thankful for the Vittles. Me too. Favorite couple worship leader, love them. Awesome. And then our last one from Toyin, grateful for new, renewed bravery in this quarantine that it's given her and the strong community of this church. RCC is the definition of covered. Love that. Thank you guys so much for participating in that way. If you didn't get to participate, we invite you next week to send in your testimonies or just what you've seen God do this week. We would love to continue just to like cheer alongside with you. So now, Bill, if you'd like to play that video from Alice and then afterwards we'll make some space and if you guys want to come up and give a testimony, we would love that. Hello, River City Church. Alice here, all the way from sunny Scotland. 
I'm so happy that I get to do this. If COVID has any perks, it's that I've been able to watch all my River City favourites and be involved in a church that I couldn't of pre-coronavirus virtual church. This year has been extremely hard, but being able to look back on everything God has done for me is amazing. I started 2020 on the right foot after a really hard 2019, but I ended up feeling lost and disappointed really early on getting diagnosed with a chronic illness. It was so hard and obviously with the pandemic hitting, I really struggled and ended up just back in that pit that I had just come out of. Knowing that we serve a God that doesn't stop working, especially during a pandemic, I was able to reflect on the positivity of 2020. I still struggle daily, depression, anxiety do not just go away, but being able to celebrate the goods and having people alongside me is just the greatest blessing. If RCC taught me anything, it's what community really means. And I've been able to bring back so much and start conversations with people over here that I never knew could be possible. I'm thankful for friends over there. And I cannot wait to be able to fly over and see you all hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Love you all so much. Bye. So you probably don't know me. Um, my name is Amanda. I've been coming for a few months. Um, and when I was looking for a church, I was looking for a church that would not let me be invisible. <laughs> and y'all have succeeded at that. Um, and eventually there will be a point where I will no longer want to be invisible. But um, then you'll get tired of me, but that's okay. Um, this year has been probably one of the hardest years of my life um, for so many reasons, um, but I'm just thankful for, oh gosh, um, I'm just thankful for the way that God's going to use it in the future and thankful for his uh, grace and mercy in getting me through it and for giving me patience to wait on him. Um, and in the last month, I've gotten three jobs and started three jobs so now um even though who knows if it'll be enough to pay for rent but I don't have to worry as much about that and about having to couch surf and all that so I'm just thankful for that and for y'all hey I'm a little tall, so I gotta do this in a second. Oh. Okay. Those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Andrew Mercer. Uh, my wife sent a video in last week. <laughs> so I figured I need to say something too. So. <laughs> um, so this year has been very difficult spiritually for me and Maddie too, because we actually came out of a really bad situation with the church previously. Um, where I really hate to admit it, but it, it kind of made me rethink a lot of things spiritually, like a lot of doubt and a lot of uh, different issues that I was struggling with. And honestly, the worst one was, I think a lot of how that came out made me question my calling, which <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that before, but <laughs> it's very intense when it happens. <laughs> And it's been a, a really tough and also really good year at the same time because it, it did kind of make me like relearn a lot of things that I thought I already knew. But a lot of things were revealed to me that I didn't. So, <laughs> um, But River City has been super, super awesome this year for us and welping, welcoming us with it, with the walkers, with uh, hosting the table, Micah, David, all these guys that I've come to know and a lot of other adults that um, my wife has come to know as well um, and it's been a super blessing for us and uh, we, we just want to thank you all for that
can sit through an awkward testimony time at a, at a church. You, uh, you can basically do anything <laughs> in life. I thought my daughter was coming up to give a testimony. I was, she's going to, she's going to the bathroom. She's going to use the bathroom, so it's no big deal. Um, all right, I'm going to pray a benediction, if you will. But I'm going to invite you to remember that Shannon blessed you with a card that has a gift on it to give to someone. Find one before you go. There's plenty in the room. If not, we'll get you, we'll get you one. Um, and also to kind of think through how God is inviting you into his story. And those of you who didn't share this week, we would love to hear you share next week. Thank you guys for getting up and sharing. Um, I feel like I know people so much better when that happens because you're stepping into like this awkward space too that only few will travel. And I like that, so thank you. But there's no pressure on anyone to do it as well. It's, it's not intended for that. So Jesus, we, we bless you as you've blessed us. We say you are Yahweh, you are King, you are Creator God. We submit that we are in dire need of you. We confess we have done it wrong. We ask that this body would embody what it means to be your people in a city and that when people see us, that makes them think and say things like, they're loved and they love well. They are sincere. They are people of faith. They are open. I pray that our body is known for these things. Help us to rewrite the things that have been wronged even in our own culture so that people can see who you really are. The one that pursues and restores. That while you could condemn, you choose to see deeper and to invite. And when we know it, we come to life. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.